Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord. First day of June. Won't you stand with me tonight? We'll go to the Lord in prayer. I want to welcome all those folks online too. And Come on, y'all, let's pray, can we? Heavenly Fathers, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus once again. We do not take this moment for granted. We believe that you've graced us with that. And Father, I pray tonight that just your love and your peace, your hope, God, would just flow so rich through this place tonight. And that, God, this could be a time, Father, we could look back and say, boy, I remember that June 1st. I remember that night. When the Lord came by just such in such a wonderful way, and we were ready. <laughs> so, Lord, you do what you do tonight, and as we offer God worship tonight unto you, I pray that it goes straight to the throne room. And Father, don't let us be hindered. Don't let us be distracted. Uh, God, I believe this is an appointed time with you. We love you so much, God. You all love it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, prepare peace, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a Can you lift your voice and sing that with us tonight? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a
So scripture said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm thankful tonight to be here. And uh, it's not my intention to keep you very long tonight. And I know y'all want to start laughing even at that point. But I really want to zero in on some prayer. Um, and just have a, it's my heart to have a time tonight just of real consecration, man, of our soul, just to him. I asked Jake if he would, if he'd just stay at the piano and just pedal for me for a few moments. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm chapter 51, or the 51st Psalm, should I say. If you'll stand with me just for the reading of the first two or three verses here. The Word of God says, have mercy upon me. O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. David goes on to say, against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, tonight it's living, it's powerful, it's sharp, it's all those things, God, that your word says that it is even in the book of Hebrews. And God, tonight it's able to go past skin deep and get to soul deep and father tonight we can declare even before we start that therefore if the son has made us free we are free indeed and God knowing tonight that the power of truth God unadulterated truth pure truth God and the very power of that father that if we can come to the reckoning of a soul before you father living so free in your presence and God being that light you intended for us to be in these last days. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you attend every soul. And God, let all of us when we leave here, uh, Father, let us just, uh, let there be a rejoicing in our soul knowing, Father, that you've just come down in a big way. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Just really feel a draw to prayer tonight. But I, this is going to launch from Sunday. We talked about David. And if there's probably any one Bible story that you ever read or ever knew about in Sunday school, it was the story of David and Goliath. And man, there is multiple, multiple messages just through that very story that we can gain a lot of life from. And see a lot of victory in. For those of us that maybe have in times past felt like the shepherd boy, maybe the last in line, and how God moved him to the front by that anointing that came when the prophet came by. And as we were talking about that the other day, we said, Where are the Davids? Where are the giant killers? And I think before we left, I believe we wanted to receive that to ourselves. In Jesus' name, I'm a giant killer. And we said, where are they that if they can't be found, then we ask ourselves, where are the Samuels? Where are those that, that found David and poured out that oil upon him? 
and anointing. And then we said, where were the Hannahs that prayed for that child? I talked about Sunday and, and, and preached about this point about our defining moments. We've been on this now for two or three weeks and maximizing the moment or minimizing the moment. And I think it's critical. I think I'll probably be here for another week or two. And I hope that don't keep you out of church. I hope it draws you into church because we're going to be talking or drawing you in deeper. But I want to talk about the coming moments that, that I feel like they're on the horizon. And they're closer now than they've ever been before. But we think about David's defining moment being that moment when he slung the rock, killed the giant, or stunned the giant, and then cut his head off. We think about that being the defining moment. The defining moment was in the anointing. It wasn't in the outcome of that fight with Goliath. In your anointing and my anointing through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit is truly what gives us victory. Because you're going to find, just as we, we all find, that God is a spirit. If we're going to worship him, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the word said that no flesh will glory in his presence. And the closer you get to God, you and I are going to find that flesh just cannot dwell in his presence any longer. And when we come or get ready to come into the throne room, it's like the Holy Ghost checks us at the door. He said, that's about as far as that can come. Sadly, in David's life, we would find that he had a declining moment. The Word of God would tell us in 2 Samuel chapter 11 that Scripture would tell us that when it was the time, David is now king, and when it was time for the kings to go out at war, it was that time of year that the kings would go to war. And David let the others fight, and he stayed home. I want to speak to this real quick before I get to Psalm 51. But this is a very critical moment in your life and in mine. Is when you choose to stay behind and not do what you're called to do. David was a warrior. David knew battle. I believe that if David's heart was measured by courage alone, that it would be so big that I just, just so incredibly big. And yet we find something that I alluded to even that last Sunday or last Wednesday one was the fact of this. We talked about frustration that leads to anger and anger leads to bitterness. We talked about that. But it's the same thing as David chooses not to go out and do what he's called to do. And he stays back. He finds that a stroll. You're very familiar with this story. He finds that a stroll on the rooftop. And he looks down and there's Bathsheba bathing. And what happens is that a glance becomes a gaze. And when the gaze happens is when sin begins to wrap around and begin to pull and begin to tug. Now many times, Charlie, we think that this is just something when we gaze upon that. But do you know that your eyes can be closed and your mind can still be gazing or glimpsing something else? Is that true, yes or no? So what is so critical even within all of us tonight is this, is that taking every thought captive is so critical to our success in being able to manage these moments. You probably know the rest of the story, but David not only glances, he not only gazes, he calls for Bathsheba. And as the story goes on, not only does he have relation with her, but he also 
calls for her husband Uriah to be put at the front line of the battle. And now what has been adultery now is even entwined in murder. And this champion that killed Goliath is taken down by lustful thought and by lustful sight. And we look in our minds and, and we think, how could he do that? Let's be real in the house of God tonight. How could any of us do what we've done in the past? You know, Scripture's pretty sobering that when it puts us all on the same plane, not as Baptists, not as not as Methodists or not as Potter's Hopians or whatever. Not even as Protestant, but sin, or excuse me, the Bible puts us all on the same page that is this, is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Just simply saying this, that all of us need Jesus. And listen, can I tell you, I didn't miss... I, I've come to find this out, Eric, is that I don't just need the Jesus that saved me. I need the Jesus that sticks closer than a brother. I need the Jesus that will never leave me or forsake me. I need the Jesus that will walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. I need that Jesus that will be there setting me at his table. And when the enemies of my past or the enemies of my mind try to intrude upon that banquet table that he has set, I find that there he is, guarding the very presence that I'm at with him. And isn't it wonderful that he still anoints our head with oil? Isn't it awesome that when we get into his presence that our cup can overflow? Isn't it good to know that surely, somebody say surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life? Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome just to break the curse that bitterness and hatred don't have to follow you anymore? That through the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to have any of that. That goodness and mercy can follow us. That that can be in our wake. And the giant killer succumbs to another enemy. I've heard people say before, never. Can I tell you, I, I don't really know how Satan thinks exactly, but I'll tell you this, that if there's one word that he hears, it's never. So many times I've heard Christians say, well, I could never do that. I, I don't see how they could do that. I could never do that. Only to find in maybe a short period of time that it's as though the enemy <laughs> hears that word. And he'll bring a satanic attack and even the demonic forces of hell to come through and try to penetrate even your mind. David thinks he's got by with it until Nathan, Nathan the prophet comes. And he shares the story about the traveler and how that the traveler would come and how there was a rich man and a poor man and all the story goes. Bringing David to that point that when Nathan brings it out, that he says, who is that man that would do that to that poor man? And maybe, Stephen, some of the most sobering words in the Word of God is when the prophet says, you're the man. Let me tell you when life changes. If you will maximize your moment, 
David knew you're the man. Today, society says, oh, man, you're the man. You're the man. You know, all of these things. But when Holy Ghost reveals to you, you're the one that's caught up in the lie. You're the one that has done this. We've got a moment right then. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're the man. I'm going to show you in Scripture. Scripture would tell us that sin will have consequence. Will David be forgiven? Yes. And we're going to go through this point just real quick here in just a moment. David will be forgiven. But sin will have consequence. That's the reason that I want to encourage you to maximize your moments. Turn to somebody and say, do what you do. As simple as that sounds, it's one of the old adages that I use so much. Jake knows that. He, he's heard that countless times. Anybody, Luke, I know you've heard it come out of my mouth so many times. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, do what you do. What does that even mean? That sounds so simple. I really don't need anybody to tell me to pray with people. I really don't need anybody to tell me to tell somebody else about Jesus. I really don't need anybody to tell me to help feed people. Do you? That when it comes down to it and we begin to deduct Peyton, what we do is this. We just simply do what we do. But when we neglect to do what we're supposed to do, and just as David, being a king, didn't go out to battle, then I'll tell you what, then your mind begins to wonder. And we'll find ourselves usually countless, not just minutes now, but hours, strolling or scrolling through different pages that are not really true pages of life when we should and could be reaching people for the cause of Christ. Absalom would end up, Absalom, his son, would end up coming up against him. His own daughter would be raped, even within members of his own house. The pinnacle of David's very, if we call it a ministry, the thing is that because of that moment, did he still love the Lord? Let me stop right here and say this. 100%. If I were to ask for a show of hands in this house tonight, that how many of you have utterly failed God? Just absolutely blew it. I don't know that all, but I, probably all of our hands would go up. And see, what hell wants to do is to come against you and, and to say, well, it's over, it's finished, God doesn't love you. Turn to somebody and say, God loves me. I try to get that across all the time, Chad. But this is so important. That in these moments, man, to where the enemy has come, and what did David do? He did not deny the prophet. He knew it. And what does he say? Have mercy upon me. And I like the way that he says your tender mercy. The multitude of your tender mercy. He says blot out my transgressions. And he says this. There's actually three words here that we, we encapsulate most of it just within sin for all of sin. But really if we were to look at three areas of sin, it would be iniquity. It would be transgression. It would be the word sin. Just real quick, this thought iniquity. Then somebody says, well, what is iniquity? Jake, iniquity is that which is in the core of us. Iniquity is something, Jody, in deeper. 
the iniquity. It, it's, it's those things that come within the very raw of self that's planted there even within uh, the first Adam, the iniquity. And he begins to say that. But what was my motive? Why did I do that? What was the carnality? And what did it come through? The carnality of lust that I did that. He says, forgive me of that. Then he says, when he says this right here, when he says, Watch me thoroughly for my iniquity. I'll come back to that. For I acknowledge my transgressions. Transgression, it, it, it's a simple thought. Trans meaning move. Gression meaning the sin. It's crossing the line. Have you ever crossed the line and the Holy Ghost said, you just crossed the line? It can be in something you say. It can be in something that you do. And basically what it says, or, or the thought is this, is taken within that the transgression is also like a trespass. The tide, when we come to that place, it's crossing that and the transgression. Aren't you thankful tonight that he was wounded for our transgressions? He was bruised for our, for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then sin. And sin, when you look at it in the New Testament, you'll find this, that sin is just simply missing the mark. And this is the most common thought of that, of just missing the mark. It can be to the right, to the left. It can be falling short or whatever that it may be. But David brings all of this before him. And he says, he doesn't say wash me sparsely. He doesn't say sprinkle me. He says wash me thoroughly. And I love this. And as he begins to put that, he doesn't stop it. And man, there's such depth to this. That when he says that, that he says even this. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean in verse 7. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And he gets deeper. In verse 10, it really starts picking up the pace for me. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I don't know about you, man, but I know when I miss him. And David was not going to miss this moment of repentance. <laughs> I know tonight we're probably thinking, it's Wednesday night, Pastor. I don't want to miss a moment with him to say, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, would you just wash me thoroughly? Would you just cleanse me? We'll get to that point. And create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. <laughs> Amy is, uh, I've told y'all before, her and the Holy Ghost, my life coach. And I don't know if y'all ever had anybody tell y'all this, but she look at me and she'll say, you seem a little off. And I thought, that ain't the first time I ever heard that. And what she's saying is this, what's going on? I can tell that something's going on on the inside of you. She's not saying you've sinned. She's not saying that. But she's saying, I can tell that something, there's not a right spirit within you. As David comes before him asking for God to cleanse him, he said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Now we're getting to the place to where value is added, to where he really says the greatest thing is this, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take what I feel. Don't take what I know. Now can we go all the way back to where Samuel anointed him? 
Don't take what I know you've done in my life. Let me, let me say this. That so many times we've got a lot of people that, that will do this. And maybe they remember that day that something changed in their life. Can I tell you? Don't ever forget the day that Jesus Christ changed your life and set your feet on the path to an eternal glory with Him. Give worth to the moment that that happened. Giving your life to Christ is more than just being sorry over your sins. It's coming to the place and literally laying it out before Him and saying, forgive me of all that I've ever done. And I've seen people before that have pleaded at an altar for 15, 20 minutes. I've seen people leave revival, come back the next night, the next night, the next night. And can I tell you, think, well, Pastor, I'm not against that. What I've got to tell you is this. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't you do it for me because I didn't do it for you. I did it for me because I knew that I was a sinner and I needed saving. Amen, somebody? When you get to that place... And you can come and simply say, forgive me. I've sinned before you. And more than the hugs, Ethan, and more than the handshakes, that when you get up from an altar, there should be, and and here we go, i got to be careful. How many of you truly felt the weight of sin lift off of your life? Isn't it a beautiful thing? It's a beautiful thing. Somebody thought, well, I, I just thought it was a great big old paw on my back. It wasn't that. It was just being set free from sin. David said, don't take the Holy Ghost from me. Don't take that anointing. I know that you set me apart. And I think that I'm probably calling out to the church tonight. It won't be much longer. I think I'm really calling out to the church tonight, maybe to bring us back to a point as a body of believers, not to forget what we are called to do. And this is a day when we should be going out and not staying back and winning souls for Jesus Christ. How many of y'all still believe Jesus saves people? How many of you believe Jesus still delivers people? How many of you believe that He still takes people out of the guttermost and takes them to the uttermost? How many of you believe that God still heals people? I do. I believe it all. But this is not a time for us to stay back. And when he says this, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy. You notice what he says. Look at verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Not my salvation. Restore unto me the joy of of thy salvation. David knew he'd lost something. What did he lose? (laughs) I guess I'm not going to break down a whole lot of theological lines here with you, knowing this is Old Testament, but David knew. The Word would even tell us that even his bones felt like they were decaying within him, that the very structure in which that he was built upon, this great champion, He's feeling now his bones even melt like wax. And he begins to plead before God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit, thy willing spirit. I love it. I love it. You know, God is willing, He's ready, and ever faithful. 
to let us set things right. As I look at David's life and I look at the defining moment that we talked about, I look at this declining moment for that outline, Kathy, that I was talking about before. The declining moment is the very moment that the glimpse becomes the gaze and the gaze becomes the action. It's the downward spiral that can happen. Can I tell you, I don't know where everybody's bottom is. But I'm thankful that when I've hit my bottom, Jesus was the rock that I landed on. And Jesus was the rock that I built back on. I remember the countless times in my life where Holy Ghost said, you missed this one. And I didn't come into the throne room. I, and when I say this, Brother David, I, I come in such a way to say, God, you already know him before I get there. And the greatest thing to me was not restored position. Not, uh-uh. Lord, whatever you do, just don't take your presence from me because I remember how it was without you. And I don't ever want that again. David. Having this quality, I alluded to it before, David having this quality to where Solomon, I got some questions about Solomon. I can't tell you. I don't know where he's at. Y'all can cast me out if you want to. But all this wisdom, all of these things, and man, he sure made a mess. But the one thing, and see, Solomon followed after. He made a place for Pharaoh's daughter, not just in his kingdom, but in his heart and in his life. But the one thing that David never did is he never served another God. He didn't. Did he fall through lust? Absolutely. Did he mess things up? Absolutely. But he never left God. I guess tonight that if I could just tag this last point, and it'll, it'll go into the next one for me, but it's the refining moment. When you begin to look at that, and I'll encourage you to take your time and read that when you get home. But these are the moments that, that we come before God and that precious refiner's fire. I just told somebody lately that I've been studying the fire, man, for probably three or four months, maybe longer. And that quality of the fire is the fact that it burns away the impurities. And that dross that I, I've never melted, Helena, I've never melted silver down, but that skim, that, that that's on the top, top, that dross is pulled off to the side. And then that silver has such a reflective quality that you've heard before. And when that dross is gone and the impurity is gone, then God can look upon us and see his image there. Tonight, I want to take a moment at the altar And I guess just simply say that, that, Lord, just bring us together as a body of believers. I'm not going to ask. I won't do this tonight, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. When he said, wash me thoroughly, I, and you all know this, man. We, we just we count on Holy Ghost so much to show us those things in our life. But that residue, those things that are there and that can be there in our life, I want God to burn them out. What about your lustful actions? 
You're thinking, no, that we're thinking about within, within the physical sense or within a sexual sense. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that we lust after, notoriety, power, money, the things that create gods in us that are not him. And so tonight, maybe just coming before the king, coming before the Lord, and saying, Lord, I bring myself to you. There may be some of you in here tonight that's even thinking, you know what, I, I don't know how long it's been since I just simply said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I do know this, is that I want to maximize my moments. I'm learning to do that. <laughs> I'm learning to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we adore you tonight. We're so thankful. Father, your word said to know to do good and not to do it is sin. And Father, as simple as this message is, could we come before you, Father? And there's been a real, just a sweet presence in here tonight. Just, just as though the water is so calm. But, Father, right now there may be turbulence in somebody's life. And, Father, just as David had said, don't take your presence, restore unto me the joy. God, tonight as we just come before you in just a moment, wash us thoroughly. Wash us thoroughly transgressions when we cross the line iniquity those things that are in us that are in us that maybe are hid God the jealousies the motives and then father just simply the times that we missed the mark we fell short Holy Spirit draw us closer to you than we've ever been before hmm we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, tonight, I wonder if we could do this. I wonder if we could just come in around the altar. Even those folks, maybe they're watching online, just gather wherever you gather. But I believe there's some hearts that need to be shored up. You may be here tonight and you say, you know what? I really don't know. But I want to know. And I'm ready to lay it all down at his feet. Could we be bold enough when we rise up from this altar to say, Lord, now I know you're ready to use me. Those of you that will, come on in. Let's pray around the altar as Jake continues to play. If you're here tonight and you know that soul, God's calling you in. Wash me, Lord. Wash me front to back, everywhere. Let's ask the Lord to just move in our life. That inward stuff tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Restoring to me the joy. One day it'll matter. I want people to continue to pray. One day it'll matter. I remember when I was younger, people told me, hey, take care of your back. <laughs> Anybody ever remember that? 
You go ahead, big boy. Lift that. Go ahead and lift that. Yeah, go ahead. One day, <laughs> you'll wish you'd listen to me. What's that got to do with me? Excuse me. What's that got to do with you? Everything. One day, this night will make a difference if you're here and you're lost. And whether or not you maximize your moment or you just... Because one day you will need Jesus. I'm going to say this because you all know I'm pretty raw and pretty real. Hell is filled with people. And I'll guarantee you the general consensus would be if I had just listened. If I had just taken advantage of that moment. No preacher said, sing Amazing Grace one more time. Sing, just as I am, one more time. I surrender all, one more time. One day tonight will matter if you're here and you're lost. No need to complicate it. Just simply say, here I am, Lord. I've utterly failed. I've sinned against you. David said, God, against you and you only have I sinned. I know usually I come out of the gate, man, 196 mile an hour. <laughs> Breathing fire, man, jumping and carrying on. But tonight, what about just a simple draw from Holy Ghost to say, you know he's right. That, Lord, you've seen hands go up all over this room that when we said there's things that are just not right on the inside. For those of you that just come up here and prayed, I just want to reassure you that Jesus has done his work. And his work is full. It's complete at Calvary. And you don't have to leave here in any way under condemnation that what you asked Jesus to do up here, he's done. You're forgiven. You're free. If there's a residue of any of those things right now, right this second, give it to Jesus. Could we all just say, I'm giving that to Jesus? Just say it. I'm giving that to Jesus. So, Lord, tonight, we leave here, God. We leave here, God, tonight, having been washed by the power of the blood, redeemed, set free. God, if there's one that doesn't know you, Holy Ghost, I pray you contend for that soul. And God, maybe tonight, maybe not bold enough, God, whatever that it may have been, but Father, you know the depths of our heart. And I pray, God, that you just keep dealing with that soul. God, we leave here tonight victorious in your name and through the power of your name. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen.
Hey everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.